Well, we are uh, going to dive into our, uh, our last week in this stream series, if you've been with us. I think we've been in it for about seven weeks now, and today will be our, our final week through this series. Um, and so this morning's topic is celebration, and if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm 145, and we will, uh, we'll be reading through that entire psalm this morning. As I think about this uh, stream series, obviously a stream is a body of water, and so I have this uh, image I keep going back to of, of Lake Powell. It's like my favorite place in the world. It's beautiful. It's pretty much the Grand Canyon just filled with water, if you've never been there. Um, and it's amazing. It's, it's my favorite lake, maybe my favorite place in the world. I just love it. And the Colorado River feeds Lake Powell, and then out of Lake Powell, the Colorado River continues and eventually goes into Mexico. And it used to go all the way back to the ocean through Mexico until about the 1960s when things shifted, and it no longer, very seldom, does it actually make it all the way back to the ocean. Instead, that, that beautiful river that traverses through the Grand Canyon and um, is pretty mighty and powerful and, and gives water to a huge percentage of our country, instead, eventually it turns from a, a mighty river to a little stream to a little trickle and it dries up. And, and that's a pretty anticlimactic end for this incredible river that sources life, really, for so much of our country, for a whole region, going from through the Grand Canyon to nothing. And I had this image this week as I was processing through these streams, the streams that we're talking about, these lifestyles or practices where God says he will meet us there, he will do work, not us, we just go there, we just enter into the scene and jump into the waters and he transforms. These streams never dry up. There's this picture in Revelation of the river of life flowing through the city of God where where Jesus will have come again. It's a second coming, and we're waiting for that. When all brokenness will be gone, it'll be fully restored to what is good. There's no more pain or tears or confusion or anger or violence, none of it. It's all as God meant for it to be. And that's where these streams lead as Jesus works, as Jesus guides. Our job is just to get into the waters. But here's the thing. These streams don't fail because Jesus doesn't fail. These streams never will dry up, no matter where you are on this journey, because they are sourced by God. And so there's beauty in that. There's beauty in knowing through the highs and the lows, through the beauty and the brokenness of this life, and we all know there is both, that you can always count on Jesus, that his well never runs dry, it never dries up, he will never fail us. There will be moments when, when we question what's going on, when there's rapids and we feel it, or, or maybe the, the waters get a little low, but they never run out, and he is always And so, this morning we'll be talking about this stream of celebration and how it points us back to who God is. It it recenters us. It gives us another focus on on what's most important, which is Christ, which is Jesus. I have another image that I think summarizes this morning for us, and, and I picture all of us being in a large arena 
um, about to attend or about to experience a, a big performance. And so we're all in this massive arena with thousands and thousands of people, and it's, it's almost pitch black, except for the, the, glow-ish, or the glow of the orangish-red exit signs, and that's about all you can see. And we all, uh, all know where the stage is, and we're kind of looking that way, but for the most part, it's just black. And so we're waiting, and there's an energy and a buzz and a vibration because there's so many people, and they've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to come to this event to watch this performer perform. And there's, there's anticipation. You've been waiting. You bought your tickets months before, and you're excited, and it's going to be good. And then the person performs, and they do an amazing job, and you enjoy it. But here's what we never think about. There's a person inside of this arena, inside of this stadium, whose job is to stand behind this massive spotlight and to move it around wherever the performer moves on the stage. Have you ever thought about that person before? If you're at an event or a concert or some kind of play, do you ever think about the person that's maneuvering the spotlight or the people? I don't really think about those people. But, but think about this. It seems like a mundane job that doesn't matter. But if that light switch isn't on and if they're not paying attention to moving the spotlight on the person performing that people paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to in excitement and, and drove and came with people to come and watch... We never actually get to see the person on the stage. No one sees what they came for and gets to enjoy what is good about that moment. See, here's the thing. I think in our lives what we often do when we see a movie is we put ourselves in the place of the main character. Or we, when we hear a song, we think it's about us. And throughout our lives what we do is we try to be the ones on the stage instead of God. When really we have this incredible calling to be the ones that are not on the stage, but that are actually maneuvering the spotlight and putting it on Jesus himself and celebrating how good he is because that's the message the world needs to to hear. That's the message that we need to hear and to tell each other that the spotlight belongs on Jesus because he is good and his goodness never runs out. It never fails. It never dries up. But so often what we do is we say, I'm going to leave my little job here and I'm going to try to go take the stage. Or we get distracted, or Satan tries to, to, to get our focus onto something else, and we actually spotlight something other than God. But think about it. That job of this person maneuvering the spotlight and focusing it where it belongs is actually incredibly important. And the scriptures talk a lot about this. And so for that reason, that's what we're going to talk about today. Spotlighting, putting the spotlight on, or celebrating our God and his character, his creation, his plan, the hope that we have in him. And so I wanted to just define celebration for us in this context this morning, how we want to celebrate our God. And I I define it as this. It's just public honesty. It's a display and proclamation that all good comes from God. When I say celebration this morning, I'm talking about publicly declaring and proclaiming that all good comes from God. Uh, Later, at some point, because I think it's important, we're going to talk about the counterpart to celebration, which I think is lament, because I think it's actually equally as important. Celebration um, declares that all good comes from God. I would say lament is kind of the, the inverse of it, and it's this. It's being honest about and mourning over the real brokenness in our world that comes from sin and straying from God. And not necessarily from sins, like I did something bad and so something bad is going to happen. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But just the fact that the world is not the way it was meant to be. God is not fully reigning in this moment. He will again one day. He's in charge, but he's still allowing evil to do its thing to an extent. 
And so the counterpart to celebration is lament. And I think it's important to be honest about the hurts, about the brokenness, about the pain in this world. But this morning, we are going to focus on, uh, on celebration. I, uh, <laughs> if I seem a little bit weird right now, this is why. Because I, a very close friend, I just got news is recently experienced a significant loss. So I don't know why, why God does the things he does, but he does, and he's good, and, and maybe for some odd reason I'm uh, preaching on celebration in the midst of it because in the midst of brokenness, God is good. In the midst of hurt and pain and question, our God is still worthy of celebration. And so we're going to talk about that. It might be a little bit weird this morning, um, but maybe God will use that to show that He is good and He is faithful no matter what. So with that said, we're going to read uh, Psalm 145, verses 1 and 2. And this reigns true uh, no matter the tone of my voice. I exalt you, my God, the King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. I will honor your name forever and ever. Yahweh is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. The psalm is, is actually an acrostic Meaning that the, the structure of the psalm is that it takes the first or one of the letters from the Hebrew alphabet, and, and each one of the verses starts with one of the letters from the Hebrew alphabet. So it would have been easy to remember if we were reading it in Hebrew, but we're not. We're reading it in English, so we don't have the privilege to see it that way. But it would have been easy to remember. And, and traditionally, Jewish people would have actually recited the psalm three times a day for this reason. It recenters and refocuses them on God's glory, on His goodness, on the fact that He is worthy of praise and exaltation. Listen, listen to what, what the, the first two verses say. I exalt you and praise you and honor you. And then it, then it says when. It's, it's, it talks about how often. Every day, forever and ever. I love that picture. Every day, forever and ever. Guess what? A lot of life happens in between every day and forever and ever. And so it's saying through the good and the bad, the beautiful and the broken, this Jesus, our God, is worthy of celebration. And God and Satan, excuse me, is going to use all kinds of things to try to take the spotlight, the job that we have to put it on Jesus and his glory and the hope we have in him and to get us to shift and to put it on something else. But every day, forever and ever, our God is worthy of celebration. Verse 3 says this. It kind of explains why. Lord, or excuse me, that's Psalm 144. Verse 3, Yahweh is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. That, that word unsearchable, unsearchable could also be unfathomable. It's something you can't wrap your arms around and grab a hold of. I, I get this idea that it's, it's a well that will never run dry. You could search the whole world for all eternity 
And you will never cease to be surprised by the goodness and the greatness and the majesty of our God. It will never stop. It's a, a concert in which the, the vocals just blow your mind or you would, and you are in awe, and it, it won't stop. And, and there's new music again and again, and it just keeps going. That's how God is. It's a new sunset every day that's unique and special. Our God's glory and majesty and love doesn't stop. Paul, Paul puts it this way in his prayer for the church in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey, when he writes his letter to the church in Ephesus. And he, he prays for them to have power. I've shared this before, but it continually just sticks with me. He doesn't pray for them to have power to perform miracles or to speak in tongues, or to speak powerfully, or to have power, or health, or anything else. He prays that they would have power by the Holy Spirit to simply grasp and comprehend how great of a love the Father has for them. I mean, that's crazy. I might be like, man, why did you waste your prayer on that? There's some other things we could use, but no. He knows that if we can begin to grasp God's love, that on our own power is ungraspable. It changes everything. Yahweh is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Verse 4, one generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. This is simply an exhortation. It's a call for us as the church to teach our children and the next generation to teach the people around us to celebrate our God as well, to recognize that we're constantly going to be drawn away from God. We're going to look in other directions, to other things, to other gods, if you will. We need to refocus the spotlight again and again on Jesus and to teach our, our children, the next generation, to do so as well. From, from verse 5 through the end of the psalm, verse 21, we're going to now break it down in a few different categories of the components of God, parts of God that I think are, are worthy of celebration as the psalm kind of breaks them down. The first comes in section 5 through 7, verses 5 through 7. And I would just say it's this, it's celebrating what God has created. Listen to uh, David's words here. I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and your wonderful works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts, and I will declare your greatness. They will have a testimony of your great goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and your wonderful works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts. Again, you just look in the world that we live in, and there are parts that are stunningly beautiful. You go to the ocean, and it is just immense. It seemingly doesn't end, and you hear the power of the crashing waves. Or, or you think about the amount of fish in the ocean, or, or the, the endless colors of coral beneath the sea. You, you think about all the different types of the animals, in this world are the fact that our taste buds can taste incredible combinations of flavor that come from seeds, that come from plants. Like, it's mind-blowing, the different things that God does. Or, or you think about the storm that we enjoyed last night. I enjoyed it. I sat on my patio, and I don't, I don't, I don't know if you can possibly ignore God's might and power and magnificence when you watch a thunderstorm. Like, the thunder can be so powerful, you cannot ignore it. And it can be pitch black, and then in the blink of an eye, the whole world is lit, and it is amazing. And you just go, like, God is so good and mighty and powerful. That you, can, you can think about whatever you enjoy about this world, and God created it. He is worthy of celebration for the good creator that he is. Driving to school... 
um, lately with the girls, I, I take them to school about three days a week. Chelsea does the other couple days. And we listen to a variety of music, like anything and everything. I probably shouldn't list everything because you might judge me. But depending on the music, I, uh, at the end of the drive, sometimes, I don't always do this, but I'll just go, isn't it incredible that God gave these people, I love to do this when it's not Christian music too, that God gave these people the ability to make that music. Like they have those gifts, but God gave that to them, and that is incredible. I think so often we want to give credit to humanity, which we, we should to an extent. God made them, but we forget that God made them with this ability, and God created music for us to partake in, and it is incredible. And so there's little moments to pass on from one generation to the next. These are gifts from God. How about birthdays? What if we took birthdays more seriously? My, my, my son turned three a few weeks ago. Honestly, well, he got sick. He had a fever that day, which is very typical for him. But I wish I would have done a better job celebrating him. I wish I would have done a better job to him and, and to the, the people that were with us that day, going, what a gift from God this child is. And God made him so unique and wonderful and brilliant and crazy and hectic and a little bit stressful. But it's so good that God gave this gift, and there's an opportunity to put the spotlight on God in this moment for the gift that my little three-year-old son is. But, but we don't necessarily take those opportunities to put the spotlight on Jesus as creator, savior, and sustainer. We move on to verse 8, which I think highlights who God is. I believe that this is, and I've shared this before, but the most quoted verse in the Bible by the Bible. It originates in Exodus as God... Uh, proclaims his character and his name to Moses. He says, here's my name, it is Yahweh, and here is my character. And, and I was joking with our elder candidates um, this week as we had a meeting about this sermon and some other things going on that I don't think you can turn really like three pages in the Bible at a time without hearing this verse. It's how common it is. It says this, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great in faithful love. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and great in faithful love. Wherever you see God's character in this world, spotlight that. Recognize that it doesn't just happen. Grace, mercy, compassion, love, that all is birthed from the Father and only by the Father. Here's a couple examples for you of how to celebrate this. If you get a pay raise... That is an opportunity to go. That didn't come from nowhere. That is a gift from God. Sure, your employer, that's great. But none of that is possible without God. And so it's a moment to celebrate God's grace. That's a part of his character in the midst of that. Or if you get a new client or a new job, that's a moment to celebrate that God has allowed and aligned these opportunities to happen and to put the spotlight on him and celebrate what he's doing actively in your life. Maybe there's moments of, of mercy or compassion. Uh, someone in our church was on a, on a trip about a month ago, and they were doing some hiking in a national park, and then they flew home, and the night after they got home, the next morning they had to go have an emergency surgery. And it's pretty incredible to go back in this timeline because if they would have needed that emergency surgery in the middle of a hike or in the middle of the flight, it could have been devastating. It could have been really, really bad. Yet now we can look back at that moment and go, wow, God's hand was in the midst of that timing. What mercy of God to enter into the fold. And, and how involved was he? I don't know. But I think we ought to give him credit because it could have been really bad and it wasn't. Because our God is gracious and merciful and compassionate. Where do you see God working? 
Where do you God's, do you see God moving in the everyday stuff of life? When you do, celebrate that. Highlight it. Spotlight it. Because he's the one that's deserving of the glory. That's what the world needs to see. That's what we need to see. How good our God is. Verse 9. You see how Jesus made people to be as a creator. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. Both Christian and non-Christian. God made every human in his own image, in his own likeness. And guess what he said after every single person was made? It is good. And sometimes we're like, I really don't know about that one. But it is good. They're made in God's image brilliantly and uniquely. And so there's opportunities all the time, every week, every day, to see the good in people and say, that didn't come from nowhere. That good was birthed by the Father as a brilliant creator. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. I think about Josh playing the piano and the gift that he has on that. And he's worked hard for it, but he was also naturally gifted with it. And that's a gift from the Father. Whether he's a a follower of Jesus or not, that's a gift from the Father. I think of when a, a child is born again. There's an opportunity to say, what a gift you have been given to a friend that's been given the gift of a child. And in that, we have to think about who is the giver of that gift. I have a, another friend who was going through a, a big transition recently. He was going to lose his job, and financially it was going to change things. It was going to be significant. And so a, a third mutual friend spent a lot of time with this guy and, and was just talking to him about family and values and what matters and, and consistently pointing him to Christ. And so it, it was amazing, the, the friend that he was able to be. And so I sat down with him later and I said, well done, because that's Christ in you. Well done, for, for pointing our other friend to Jesus in the midst of chaos and, and questions and hardship going, yeah, but here's what God has in store and he's good. Well done. And we can celebrate and highlight who God is. You know, I think about what we do, our reactions, when somebody receives an award or a trophy or, or something good in life, especially our, our children. Because it's really interesting and easy if you have a kid that, that does something good or someone in your life to praise them for it. To say, you did good. And maybe they did. They probably did. But it's fascinating to think how that plays out. Because eventually if we keep hearing, I did good, I did good, what I want to do is keep doing good and hearing that. And we live in a society that pushes achievement above all, above relationships, above health. And so what we can end up doing by by celebrating and praising our our kids or people in our lives is uh, promoting this culture of endless achievement and works. And it's different to instead go to a child and go, I am so thankful and proud of you for becoming who God made you to be. It is amazing to watch how brilliantly God made you and how wonderfully he made you and that you're becoming that person he designed you to be. And so in that moment, there's an opportunity to do two things. Acknowledge what happened, but also not put pressure on them to be God, but rather to say, God gifted you with this. Well done, and allowing him to work in you. It's amazing to watch God's design for you. Verses 10 through 16, we we have the opportunity to celebrate what it is that God is restoring individually, communally, and globally. Listen to, to David's words. 
All you have made will thank you, Lord. The godly will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom and will declare your might, informing all people of your mighty acts and of the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule is for all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his actions. The Lord helps all who fall. He raises up all who are oppressed. All eyes look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Jesus is coming again. He's here now. And he's reigning as king, but one day he's going to reign fully, and he is going to cast Satan out, and there will be no brokenness left. And we see this psalm allude to that, to what will be completed in Jesus. All you have made will thank you, Lord. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. The domain of a king is a kingdom, right? Kingdom. It's where Jesus reigns as king, and it will be everlasting, and it will be perfect, it will be everything we could would ever want. They will declare your might, informing all people of your mighty acts and of the glorious splendor of your kingdom. We have an opportunity in the, the midst of the, the daily grind in life to celebrate what is yet to come, that Jesus will come again and that he will reign as king eternally. The hope that we have is unique. Nobody else has the hope of Jesus. That only comes from one name. Verses 17 through 20, we have the opportunity to celebrate Christ and one another. If you're a follower of Jesus, that doesn't merely just mean you go to heaven or you have salvation. It means that immediately you are actually united to Jesus. You are united with Christ. The, the, the scriptures give the image of being one with him. He is a part of the fabric of your being. Not in a like, hey, there's this little compartment in my heart that Jesus kind of slips into like a genie in a little bottle thing. Not like that. Like, really, Jesus is a part of who you are. As you think, as you speak, as you walk, he is with you and leading you and working in you powerfully with the same power with which he rose from the dead. Christ is in you. You are united to him. And so there's an opportunity as we live life with each other, because that's what church is, a people who are not a place where, to celebrate Christ in others. One of our... Um, Elder candidates said this week to think through the, uh, the fruits of the Spirit. And when you see them in others, say that's, that's Christ in you. That's the character of God coming out. When you see patience and faithfulness and love and self-control and goodness, when you see that, that is Christ in one another. And that's worthy of going, that's good in you, but let's celebrate Jesus in the midst of that because it only exists because of him. Verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and gracious in all his acts. The Lord is near all who call out to him and all who call out to him with integrity. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry for help and saves them. The Lord guards all those who love him, but he destroys all the wicked. How about the evil that our God restrains? There's a lot of brokenness and pain in this world, but can you imagine... If God fully removed his hand, if God wasn't active in this world at all, like we think that the world is violent and abusive and racist and has all kinds of issues and brokenness now. Can you imagine if God just completely stepped out and left us in the, in the dark? 
I mean, that's literally the definition of hell. Hell's not characterized by a place or geography. Hell's characterized by a complete and total absence of God. See, what people don't understand about heaven and hell, and they they talk about this, is that it's all centered on who God is. Hell is simply a world where God's good and is good in us doesn't exist. And that is an absolutely terrifying place. Celebrating God's provision and the fact that he restrains evil makes a lot of sense because this world would be way worse than it is now, unbearable. And then listen to how this psalm closes. It's a recap from the first two verses. My mouth will declare Yahweh's praise. Let every living thing praise his holy name. For how long? Forever and ever. I want to read the first two verses and the last verse. I exalt you, my God, the King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day through the good and the bad. I will honor your name forever and ever. My mouth will declare Yahweh's praise. May that be a prayer for us as Restoration Church, not in this building, but as we are the church in the midst of the everyday stuff of life. May we be a people who declare Yahweh's praise, Jesus' praise, because he's worthy of it. May every living thing praise his holy name forever and ever. I want to read you a list of antonyms for celebration. And as I read this, I want you to to ponder this. Is your posture towards God one that celebrates him or maybe one that embraces these, these antonyms? Which one more? Hopefully we're all, we're probably all a mix of both, but which one more? Which do you lean towards? Celebration or, or its antonyms? Here are some antonyms. Blaming, condemnation, criticizing, refusing, ignoring, forgetting, neglecting, disregarding, denying. I don't know about you, but that's a little convicting for me. Do we spend more time putting the spotlight on Christ, on Jesus, on our God as creator, savior, or sustainer, and sustainer? Or sometimes is our posture toward God more like, I'm blaming him. I'm criticizing him because this doesn't make sense. I'm refusing him or ignoring him or disregarding him or denying him. What does your posture towards God look like? I had a meeting here in this building on Thursday. I love God's providence. And, and Christy, who I was meeting with, told me this story just randomly at the, at the very end. I love how God provides. She said when she was a single mom um, with her eight-year-old, she got into a terrible accident. And she wasn't able to walk for, for over four months. And so a coworker, who she didn't know was a Christian, invited her into her home, into the home of her family, took care of her, and they would even take her son to school back and forth. In essence, they just adopted this family in the midst of brokenness and trial and just not being able to live. And so it was a pretty impactful moment. And she didn't know to this point that this woman was a Christian. But, but at the end of it, that kind of love, that type of generosity, that type of hospitality, these are the streams we live in, it does something. It's transforming it's powerful. And so my, my friend Christy looked at this woman and her family who had brought them in and took, taken care of them and said, why are you doing 
doing this? Because that, that type of love doesn't make sense in the same way that Paul prayed to the church in Ephesus and said, I pray that you have power to grasp the love of Jesus. This type of love doesn't make sense to people. And so they're going to ask if we love people this way. This type of generosity and hospitality, it's not normal. So she said, why are you doing this? And there's just two words. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And this woman put the spotlight on Christ in the midst of her hospitality and generosity. And I've had the opportunity to know Christy for about six years, and she's done absolutely incredible things for so many people. For veterans in our country who are, are struggling with PTSD and their families and their marriages, she serves them constantly for years on their ranch. I was working with her in a, a youth group position I had previously, and she loved on high school girls for a long time in ways that will impact their lives and have this domino effect. We talked about that. Christ multiplies our generosity. Christie's love, because of this other woman's love, is still outpouring in ways that are pretty beautiful. But it's because a friend put the spotlight on Christ. It's Jesus. Romans 10, 13 through 17 puts it this way. Paul's writing to the church in Rome in regards to the nation of Israel, God's people not hearing his message and understanding it, and to other people not hearing his message. Here's what he says to the church. He encourages them. He says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him? They have not believed in. And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. But all did not obey the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. Okay, now, I'm guessing you might be doing this. Awesome. I don't preach, so I'm good to go. That's his job. That is not what preaching means. Preaching is not my job. Preaching is our job. Because preaching isn't speaking on a stage on Sunday. Preaching is declaring the good news about Jesus to our neighbors, to our family, to our children, to our coworkers, to the people we, we share hobbies with, to the people in the everyday stuff of life. Preaching is putting the spotlight on Jesus because he's the only one who is worthy of the spotlight and the world desperately needs to see him. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of Jesus. Think about that. Who knows the role that you are to play in this world? Who knows who your Christie is, who you're generous to or hospitable to, and you spotlight Christ in the midst of it? That, that other woman probably doesn't even know the incredible impact that Christie continues to have today. As we dive into this stream of celebration, and we celebrate who God is, and we celebrate what God created, how he made people, what he's restoring, the evil he restrains, Christ in his church working actively, the hope we have because of him, the world will take notice. Little Prescott, Arizona will take notice if we spotlight Jesus. It's not about us but he's worthy of that spotlight. So may we be a people who continuously celebrate our God and his people and his way of life and his love. Let's pray. Father, you are so good. 
I pray that you would open our eyes to see your goodness and your glory and your majesty because it's, it's too good. It's hard for us to, to take in. But I pray that you'd give us power to grasp it, eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to feel what you want us to see and hear and feel, God. And then may we continue in the everyday stuff of our lives and our homes and our workplaces and our relationships and everything we do to put the spotlight on you because we need you. Because our, our friends and our families need you and this world needs you. You are good. You are worthy of our praise. We love you and we adore you. We look to you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. As we continue to worship, uh, every, every week we continue to worship in three ways in response. Through reflection, through giving, and through communion. And so reflect on how you can be actively celebrating God is who God is, on his story and on his love in the next few minutes. Reflect on that and practice it this week because he works as we center our focus on him. As we take communion, we celebrate how good he is. Sometimes, often, communion is a, a somber practice, but as we take the bread and dip it into the cup, it's a celebration. It is good every single week to remember that Christ is with you and for you and coming again. And so whether you take it individually or with your family or your community, there's one station here and three in the back of the room. But Christ is worthy of celebrating as we take communion, and Christ is in you working. And then if you call uh, Restoration Church home or, or you want to give, there's two boxes for giving in the back of the room or instructions on how to give. Um, in the seat back card in front of you and, and giving a celebration. It's returning to God what is his and saying he is good. Before we uh, do respond in that way, though, I thought it would be appropriate for us to just celebrate, to practice that as a church. So we are, are the church, and I've asked three people to just stand up where they're at um, in our service as part of us and to simply read a psalm celebrating our God. After those psalms are read, we'll, we'll respond in giving communion and reflection.